Hi, I am Andrea, and this is Empowered by Darkness, a podcast for anyone seeking to dive deep into all parts of themselves, especially the darker ones, to become empowered by the integration of these into uncovering your unique expression and purpose. Here we shed light on the self-hatred, the resentment, the need for validation and saving, the fear of being loved, the illusion of power and damaging patterns, and many more topics that will challenge you to bloom wherever you are currently planted. Welcome to your life's work. Take a seat and let's get started. It's important to expect nothing, to take every experience, including the negative ones, as merely steps on the path, and to proceed. Ram Das. Welcome back to the Empowered by Darkness podcast. I am your host, Andrea. In today's episode, we are going to be talking about a topic that many of you listening, I am sure, will relate to. The reason why is because as the quote that opens up today's episode says, there are many times in our lives in which we have experiences that come unexpectedly. The things that we desire sometimes do not manifest in the way that we would have thought they they would or we would have hoped they would. And in these instances where we have such high expectation for something to go in a specific way, for something to materialize. It is important to remember not only not to expect nothing, but more so to take every experience that comes, including the ones that are negative, because that is the judgment that we have imposed on them, as just steps that are on our path. And you can take this path as the path to our purpose, if you believe in a purpose, which I will be speaking about more in this episode, you can take them as steps on a path toward success, toward happiness, toward inner peace. Whatever your path is, whatever your path's intention is, there are bound to be these unexpected occurrences. And in these moments, are the most powerful opportunities for realizing our truest self, our most authentic and expressive self. In the quote that opens today's episode, we hear the term negative ones, negative experiences. And I want to ask you this question, and this question will probably follow you for the rest of your day as it followed me when I first heard it asked. The question is, what is it that you needed to learn in that negative way that you couldn't have learned in any other way? If you're listening right now and there's something going on in your life that was unexpected and it has been termed negative by you because anyone else really would view it the same way, Perhaps it's losing a job. Perhaps it's becoming ill, losing a loved one. What is it that you needed to learn 
in that way that you couldn't have learned in any other way. We as individuals having this challenging human experience have to learn to open our minds to a broader perspective of good and bad if we want to avoid continuous internal suffering, but most importantly, if we want to avoid feeling like perpetual victims of the occurrences in our lives. Before I came up with a topic for this episode, I did a poll on Instagram where I asked what my listeners wanted to hear in this next episode. And there were actually two categories that I was really interested in recording on. One of the topics was the significance of being single. And then the other one, which is at the time I thought was very different from this first topic, was today's um, episode, which is when things don't go as expected. Ironically, the topic of today, when it touched on my life in the most destabilizing way up to date, it illuminated for me why we must sometimes go through periods of our lives without a romantic partner. And in my case, it was because it would not be until things dramatically changed for what we would quote as the worst that I understood what I desired in a partnership and what I brought to the table. I would have never imagined in a million years that being planted in a situation in which my mother's illness returned, that that would be a catalyst for me to finally comprehend my worthiness. And this was something that no amount of shadow work or self-reflection could have made me feel such a deep resonance with. With, with the term worthiness, what does it even mean to me? It wasn't until I realized how deep the love that I was giving to my family member was in, in this time of, of great uncertainty and fear of, of death, fear of life ceasing to exist and there being really no assured sense of I have tomorrow to figure this out. I have tomorrow to continue this path that I was on of, of being very intent on bettering myself on becoming this, the best version of myself that I could be. Unhealthily, I was doing that to feel worthy. And yet when time became so unstable, so unpredictable in my life, I thought, in this moment, where can I find worthiness? Where do I already have worthiness? And, and perhaps I found a definition for this because I'd never been confronted in the way that I showed up for somebody that I loved in such a pressing way as I was when my mom got ill again. Everything that I did, the way that I responded to this time of high stress, it was magnified. And I realized, and I will be touching upon this later, what this experience dramatically shifted for me, I realized that I really respected myself through the way that I was handling such difficulty. I want to start off this episode with a kind of analogy that I think will follow us through the continuation of what we're going to be talking about today. So 
Bear with me for a second, because I think this analogy is so powerful. And when you hear it, I think that you are going to... If you are, if you're listening right now and you're thinking, well, Andrea, you don't know what I'm going through. You don't know what just fell through for me. You don't know how the rug has just been pulled from my feet. You don't know the intensity of this hurt, of this disappointment, of this uncertainty. If you are feeling like you are beating yourself up, you are feeling disillusionment, you're feeling negative, you cannot conceive of things going the way that you want them to. I think this analogy is really going to help you see that this will pass. This is not something that is there to punish you, is there to say something about your worthiness. This is just something that is part of life. And, and now delving into our analogy, Think of life as your life as a kind of circle and we all have our unique set of walking points that travel from the start, which is our birth, to the end, which is our death. And we can agree that in life, we physically move forward on this trajectory, whether we like it or not, because we cannot control the passage of time. Only death can. Only death can decide when something is finite for us. So what makes it so that the path isn't always moving ahead is our perception of it. At what stops, and these stops in our path are usually marked by significant events. So at what stops in our life did we become stuck? And many become immobilized at the stops that feel like they came out of left field a cancer diagnosis, the loss of a loved one, an intense breakup, losing financial stability, being fired from a job, having to leave your home, being rejected from your dream pursuit. When we settle our perception on what what did not go as planned, we walk our circle of life with this clouding our experience of everything, that hurtful occurrence is actually trying to positively contribute to our formation as individuals. And don't get me wrong, we can grieve what we wanted to happen but didn't. But it's important to see beyond the act of it not having happened at the time we were attached to it working out. Because if we don't move past it, we fall into being victims in our own circle of life not realizing that everyone else in this world, whether they voice it or they don't, has seen their lives suddenly uprooted at one point or another. Now, there's a second part to this analogy. Now, think of your circle of life as being a tiny dot that is circulating on this giant orbit that's inhabited by many other dots symbolized by all of the human beings on this planet. These life cycles, or dots, are all moving in the direction of death, but some begin their trajectory with the unexpected. Perhaps they begin their life being an orphan. Instead of living through these unexpected occurrences later on in their life, they begin their circle with the unexpected being the first thing that they see when they come into this world. Well, some of us 
don't experience something nearly so destabilizing until we have walked this earth for a couple of years in our own individual orbit. Still, when we reach our unexpected stops, our moments that are destabilizing, like the cancer diagnosis or losing a job, we feel all of the emotions that the person that came into this world without their parents felt. It's just a different shade of hurt. It's no less, no more impactful. The impact will depend on who the person is and how they feel and to what's going on. Understanding this analogy opens up this question for me, and I think for you, it will open up the same kind of questioning of comparisons. If we are all bound to come across points of of falling to our knees and questioning why things had to happen this way, why is comparing our standstill moments with the perceived movement of our friends or acquaintances or even strangers? Why, or family, why is this even a thing? For all we know, these people that we're comparing ourselves to could be a couple of months, if not days, from stumbling upon their own unforeseen points, their own moments of, of weakness, of, of questioning, of feeling disillusioned, of feeling negative. And if time is then irrelevant, what is relevant, you might be asking? The answer is the way you see and make sense of these unexpected occurrences is where your attention should be lying and not in what somebody else is doing that feels far ahead, that feels more successful, more enjoyable, more peaceful. I know, and trust me, I know that that there's duality in what I'm saying. I know that we constantly hear the message that we are creators of our reality. And I love that statement, but... When we hear the word creator, it's a very active word. There's really, it seems like there's no room for passivity in being a creator of your reality. But the truth is that while we can be creators, there are moments when things happen so unexpectedly, they happen so out of our control that we must be passive for a little while. But that doesn't mean that we have to stay in that passivity and, and in that negativity and, and doubt and fear for the length of time that that experience is occurring. We can go back to our essence of creating. And creating can be as simple as feeling into the emotions of that experience and alchemizing the pain into hope into a new direction for our lives if that is where the experience is pointing us to but since we hear that message we are the creators of our reality we think when something falls out of place in the picture that we have sketched so carefully for our lives we think that this is a statement about us and we start panicking and we We instantly make what's happening to be about our worth, about our capacity to have better, 
but this couldn't be further from the truth. These unexpected turns, most of the time, if not all, say nothing about you and everything about where your specific path is calling you to turn. At this time, for the sake of the purpose that you have in this lifetime that's ahead of you. And I recognize, obviously, that you have to believe in and even coming to the world with a purpose to subscribe to this because many don't believe in it. They think that they came here without any predetermined goal. That's how a lot of people view a purpose. They think it's something that you have to complete and there's this pressure and this anxiety that we already feel in our physical reality with perhaps our parents' influence, the influence of a partner, the influence of society. We already feel pressure, but a purpose, in my opinion, is not something that is can be generalized to, to have the same anxiety that you feel from the physical reality, the ego that a lot of the people around us use to project these expectations onto us. For me, a purpose is different. A purpose is not what is separate from you. Not It's not something that you have to attain, that you have to fulfill. I think a purpose is a physical manifestation of what you are made of at the most fundamental level. And this, you don't have to achieve, you just are. And I'm a very spiritual person and for me, this, this fundamental level is the soul, your soul. And in my path, I have found through my moments that didn't go as planned, I have located these pieces of a puzzle that all formed an outline of my soul's resilience and its love for growing in the middle of the fire of difficulty. And, and this has inspired me to help others to do the same. Well, this may not be the extent of my purpose, I know it's a part of it. For you, it may look differently, but the important thing to remember here is that these unexpected moments in our lives are instances of high tension for a reason. They bring out our emotionality, our connection to the other parts of ourselves that transcend the ego and our physical identity. And they often awaken in many a desire to explore spirituality because we really are all spiritual beings. When your body dies, when it ceases to have the animation that our soul brings to it, our soul was really what caused that body, well, you can believe that if you can believe that it was just a biological thing, you know, once your heart stops beating or your brain stops working, you know, that was what was keeping your body alive. But there's always, in my mind, there's always another element to that. And that is the animation that the soul brings to the body. And when your body ceases to exist, ceases to be animated, it's not that the soul has died with it. The soul continues in my personal belief system and really in moments where we experience such difficulty in understanding why things are going the way they're going in our physical lives, sometimes, and especially in the case of being ill and having a family member that's ill or you yourself being ill, 
it's this kind of a like cold call to awaken to something bigger than just the physicality of your experience. It's like this dive beyond surface level where we start asking questions about our beliefs, about our actions, about the structures in our lives that we have just taken for granted before. And we start to see that pressuring ourselves with the need to follow a specific timeline is not sustainable anymore. Because not only does the timeline feel like a second torture to the unexpected situation we are in, but it actually stops being what we put our joy in, our peace in. Instead, getting through the setback with grace becomes that joy and that peace of mind. We are not in this life to follow or keep up with a pace of movement that somebody else has. When you either personally or through a loved one's experience come to feel the irrelevance of time when it becomes shorter than what you'd anticipated, you realize that keeping up with a pace deemed successful is not living at all. It is actually dimming the vibrancy in everything around you because you're not allowing experiences, no matter their magnitude, to be absorbed by you, the person having this life experience. They instead become like these transitory agents in this kind of scheme for pretending that you've got things together or that you're moving on to the next milestone. But we forget that there's nothing to prove if every human being is just like us. And let's go back to that analogy. Every human being is just orbiting their own unpredictable circle. And they're managing the assured stresses that are going to come with it. The best we can do is respect our circle's pace, no matter how slow it can get at times. Sometimes, seasons of slowness prepare us for tidal waves of chaos and emotional havoc. Sometimes if, if we choose to just keep powering through and we're so resistant to slowing down, we become so burnt out that when these trialing moments come to our lives in which we have to be present more than we have the energy to be, we start feeling burnt out and, and we start feeling resentful for the fact that we don't have the capacity to be there in the way that we want to be there because we bypassed that stop that happened in our life path that was actually there to prepare us for how things were about to speed up in our lives. I'm going to share an experience with you that I had that I mentioned at the beginning of this podcast episode because this is a very recent thing. I am still going through it. But I think for me, the way that I have gathered all these lessons from this unexpected thing that happened in my life so early on in the process of it happening has shown me how the work that I did internally before this occurred, not knowing that it was going to happen, I just did it 
I did this internal work because it made me feel good and it made me feel empowered. This work that I was doing to look at my shadow, to look at the trauma that I'd been through, to learn how to be there for myself and, and soothe myself in moments of difficulty. This, this work that I was doing, it really has helped me to have my own back through this difficulty that I am experiencing and to be able to see it differently from the onstart, see it as more than just something that is happening to me and that is a punishment because that's the way that I'm not going to lie, I initially thought it was when it occurred. I have quickly bounced back from seeing it as a punishment and feeling like a victim by having done that work beforehand to be able to feel into my emotions and, and self-soothe really through that. So the experience that I'm talking about, like I mentioned at the beginning of this podcast episode, has to do with my mom and and back in 2021, uh, she was first diagnosed with breast cancer and she was put in remission after a year of being in treatment. But just recently, like about two months ago, um, the illness came back and she is now termed to be in stage four because when the cancer metastasizes into another part of the body, it's immediately termed stage four. And... This experience has had me really be at the hospital so much more than I was already in 2021. And it has put me in these positions where I have just questioned everything. I have questioned life. I have questioned my my ties to religion. I have questioned really what love is, what happiness is, what peace is. And I wanted to share with you some of the things that have happened for me that are positive formations of my character through this incredibly hard experience. And I jotted some of these things down on my phone notes because actually as I was going through them, through the motions of being at the ER, being with her at appointments that she went through after she had two surgeries, two brain surgeries, I... I was like reflecting so much through these things, like what is this changing inside of me? What, how is my perception morphing into something different? And one of the things that I remember so vividly, and I spoke about this at the beginning of the episode, that my view on my worthiness shifted. One of the experiences that actually happened for me through this um, new diagnosis that my mom had happened at the emergency room. It was shortly after her first surgery, she had a craniotomy and she had a complication with the craniotomy. She started having like fluid leakage from the incision site and my mom and I and my brother, we all went to the emergency room and I'm not going to lie, I was feeling, I was feeling alone at the time. I was feeling scared, frustrated because my mom many times before had already made a couple trips to the emergency room ever since she got diagnosed and the reason being there were just complications with surgeries there were moments where she was just feeling an array of symptoms that we just didn't know if they were normal or not because they felt really overwhelming to her so this time around when we went to the ER I was there with her 
and I was holding up this strong frame for my mom at that moment of of vulnerability. And I was sitting next to my brother, waiting for us to be called to go see a doctor at the emergency room. And I saw that my brother was getting these text messages on his phone from his partner. And I just, I thought to myself in that moment, and this thought came literally out of the blue because I wasn't looking to start thinking about love in a romantic sense while I was at the ER supporting my mom. But I just had this thought, like, I thought I deserve someone that will hold my hand right now. That just, it was kind of like this intrusive thought that I had. And and it felt like this core sensation that I really believed in. I thought, I deserve someone, a partner, that is going to be in this, in moments like these, is going to be by my side, supporting me, soothing me, making me feel that I just, I wasn't alone in what life had suddenly thrust my way unexpectedly. And many times before I had thought, I really, like when my mom first got diagnosed in 2021, I thought all the time I I had this feeling like I wanted someone to be there for me in the way that I saw my, my brother's experience with their relationships. I was kind of like in these hospital appointments and at the ER, I was always alone and I mean, I was happy to be there for my mom, but there were instances where I had anxiety. I had like panic attacks from my anxiety and I had, I would like break down crying after hearing the doctors mention something new um, tied to her diagnosis. And in those moments, like I always felt like I, I really want someone to be here. I, I wish someone would hold me and, and would comfort me and would just make me feel their presence. But in those moments, the way that I was thinking about this was more so like, I need it, like I, I really desire it because it would make things so much better. That was the way that I thought about it back then. The difference now was that I felt at peace being alone in that ER room, obviously with my brother and my mom. I mean alone in the sense that I didn't have a partner. I felt at peace with that because I felt strong enough to be there without having a significant other supporting me, even through like text message or calling. But I just had this feeling like I am worthy of it. I am so worthy of it. And whenever it comes, I am going to welcome it because I deserve it as much as the person sitting next to me deserves someone to hold their hand. And this seems so simple, but it was just a shift that happened inside of me that couldn't have happened any other way. It goes back to that quote that we talked about in the beginning of the episode. Like, what is this pain teaching you that you couldn't learn in any other way? And another thing that I learned, being in in a hospital room for days, for weeks, I learned about suffering. I learned that we can have an idea of the pain that we can withstand, and we we can end up withstanding the triple and the quadruple of this when we feel loved by those around us. I also learned that life doesn't owe us an absence of pain. Life happens dramatically at times. It happens grandly. And we are pushed to challenge our desperation to hold on to normality 
to the threshold that we used to be at before that made us feel comfortable, even if deep down we were hurting by other things in our life that perhaps weren't as grand as the thing that just happened that pulled the rug from under our feet. I learned that we can come to believe that our suffering is the worst imaginable. And then a few seconds later, we found out that someone is going through a hell of their own that is unimaginable. And that actually happened to me with my mom. And I think it was like a couple of weeks after she was placed in the hospital because she had her surgery and then she was healing after it. I was feeling the highest kind of point of that tension leading up to to that moment. I was feeling all of the emotions, anger, frustration, extreme fear. And it was all because I saw this person that I loved being in, in excruciating pain, feeling like one thing after another was just coming her way. And, and I just, I, I kept feeling the sense of like, we are being punished. We are being placed in the middle of the fire without having any thing that we can look to that tells us when it's going to cease, when we are going to finally be in safe ground again. I was feeling all of that. And then I left my mom's room. She was like an in intensive care. I went to go get a snack because there were like hours where the nurses had to come in and do their rounds and I had to leave. And as I was like exiting the elevator to go get a snack at the cafeteria, a man came up to me and I recognized him. He was actually the family member of another patient that was right next to my mom's room. And he came up to me and he said, how are you doing? And I said, oh, oh, I'm fine. I'm just going to go get a snack. I'm going to return and see my mom in a couple of minutes. And he said, I, I am the husband of the woman that's in the room next to your mom's. My wife is currently going through her fifth brain surgery because the doctors cannot find what is wrong with her brain. It, it keeps swelling and they've sent her results to patholo pathology and to other specialists in, in the hospital because they're all meeting up weekly to try to figure out what is causing this brain swelling and why medication that we usually administer is not working and they're having to open her brain really constantly to be able to see if the medication is having a notable impact or taking like a biopsy um, of of the brain tissue to be able to to track the change that's happening or if it's not and he was telling me like my wife really has stopped communicating with me you know whenever her brain experiences higher levels of swelling she doesn't know who she's talking to she cannot recognize me she loses mobility in like half of her body just all of these things that he was sharing with me and I was just inside I just kept feeling this this deep sense of of compassion for him first of all but also I, I kept feeling like this is, you needed to hear this. Like I kept telling myself, you, you needed to see that your suffering is not a punishment. Every human being is going through suffering. 
no matter how the degree of that suffering looks like, everyone feels it at their own level of, of, of tolerance for pain. And as this man was sharing with me circumstances that were horrible and and arguably could could be way more destabilizing than what I was going through and my mom was going through, you know, I just kept thinking we I was I was encasing myself in this negativity not seeing that I was I was not it was not a statement about me that I've, or my mom or my family that this occurrence had entered our lives it just was and I really I I felt like this heart expansion when I was hearing his story and I I told him like I'm going to pray for your wife and and I I know she's going to be okay and I just felt I felt very grateful to have been able to to talk to him. So th- this kind of experience really taught me that when we believe that, that our suffering is just unimaginable and, and the worst possible, we, we sometimes have to be cracked open to realize that that's not the case. And, and yes, I'm not saying ignore the pain that the suffering is bringing you, don't grieve it, of course, grieve it, feel into it, get angry if you have to, but don't believe that this is happening to punish you. Our suffering is not a punishment, it just is, and I learned that love is, is life force, that when we bring our full heart, even with its scars, with its dents that are made by the pain that we suffer or that we have suffered, we better comprehend that even in the darkest of rooms, there's always a little bit of light. There's the ability to crack a joke that lightens the seriousness of a diagnosis. There's the initiative to play soothing music for our family member that's going through this aggravating pain that we don't understand why it can't be cured or it can't be helped by the medication that physicians believe so strongly in. And so we think, what can we do? And sometimes we think, this is stupid, but I'm going to play this soothing melody for my loved one. And it's probably not doing much, but I'm playing it with all of my love and all of my intention for their well-being. And you would be surprised at what that does for a loved one. And it's probably not the music that is helping them, but it's your presence, your intentionality, your love. Compassion expands. We expand. We grow beyond the limits of our caged-in reality that was once afraid of the worst happening. But when you're living in one of the worst scenarios, your perspective of it has to change especially if there's no real end in sight for that event. Another thing this experience taught me was that loneliness has to be felt at times for it to be something that we make peace with. And I felt it very intensely. I felt the ugly feelings of of anger, of of envy, of frustration, of resentment in the span of a few days. And like I said, these feelings, they cracked me open. They made me question why I couldn't trust in love, romantic love, why I couldn't trust in it before 
when love was really the only thing that was giving me the strength to withstand my biggest fear materializing, which was always something happening to my mom. So then what was I afraid of now? I started questioning that. And another thing that that drastically shifted for me through this pain that I was experiencing was that I started rethinking my relationship to God. I'd come to distance myself from him before this because I didn't know how to feel connected. What this experience did was it brought me face to face with the reality that it would only be God that carried me through it, through what was happening, through the uncertainty of whether my mom's tumor was operable, through whether she would respond well to treatment at the advanced stage that her illness was in. I felt like this anxiety that was boiling up inside of me could not have any other outlet but belief, belief in something greater and something beyond my own ability, beyond the doctor's ability, beyond the surgeon's capacity to operate successfully. There had to be something bigger. And this experience brought me face to face with that. And it gave me peace to have a connection to that grander entity. It brought me peace in moments where it didn't make sense to have peace. You hear that sometimes a lot in songs, um, worship songs. You hear the singers say, Father, you brought me peace when it didn't make sense for me to have it. And I, I always used to hear that and I never comprehended what that meant until I had this like falling to my knees moment in my life in which I would wake up in the middle of the night and I would be shaking with fear. I would be... And I get emotional about it because I would literally feel like I was living a nightmare. And the only thing that made me feel like there could be an end to that nightmare was believing in something bigger than everything that was a part of the situation that I was in. And there was actually an experience that I had where I had a breakdown in my car the day that I came back from seeing my mom at the hospital and she had just told me that, you know, she had a very negative experience with getting an MRI test because she had just come from surgery and her incision was still very tender and she had a lot of pain. She was like on the highest, you know, dosage of pain medication and she said that the nurses accidentally dropped her bed when they were trying to get her set up for an MRI and she was telling me that the pain was so excruciating and and she just she started she broke down in front of me in tears and i'd never seen her cry that way and my mom is a very strong woman i didn't i i knew that in that moment if she was feeling that way and if she was expressing it outwardly it had to be very very strong for her to to show it so I came home that night and I just, I, I broke down. I was crying. I had the radio on. I was listening to a Christian, um, Christian song station. I think it was like one, 100.3. I was listening to it. 
I, I left the music on like very quietly in the background and I just wanted to like let it all out, let all the emotions that I was feeling out and, and have a good cry before I went into my house and my brothers saw me. So I was really just feeling like things were worsening and worsening and and all of a sudden the song comes up on the radio that I I love that song. The first time I heard it, it was when my mom first got diagnosed again. I don't know the name of the song, but I know the lyrics. The lyrics says, hold on just a little bit longer. Like, it's going to be okay. And maybe the song, you know, was just coincidental that it came up in that moment. But it felt like I was not alone in that car. Like, there was someone with me, an entity, uh, uh, energy... A loving force that was holding me as I was cracked open, crying my eyes out, questioning everything. I felt like I was not alone in that. Another thing I learned through this experience was how important and how special my inner strength is. I started feeling like this is what made me worthy for the first time. Instead of basing my worthiness on what I found other individuals thought was worthy. And this was because for the first time, I knew what was worthy to me. A worthy person was one that showed up with love in the way I was showing up for my mom. And I valued that over all else for the first time. Therefore, I started to see myself differently. I started to see the way that I was able to manage more than one thing at a time and, and I was doing it with grace. I was doing it with this surrender to to God and, and to the universe and to whatever would happen would, would occur and I would accept it with grace, with with faith, with love more than anything. Because love was something that no matter what occurred, if there was death, if there was illness, if there was loss, no matter what happened no matter how grave that occurrence looked, felt, love was always going to be that one force that would, able to, that would be able to counteract the intensity of such destabilizing things. And I realized too that everything can happen at once. How even in the middle of chaos, I could find myself recording this podcast episode. I could just have the best class with a group of people that I loved being around in my graduate program and I could be laughing alone in my car after seeing someone pull up next to me at a stoplight with a car that they changed the exterior of to be resembling of, of Lightning McQueen from the Cars movie. I remember there was once when I was coming back from the hospital and I was feeling so defeated, so sad, so disillusioned and then all of a sudden, a car pulls up next to me, and the, the whole exterior of the car is basically like if you were seeing Lightning McQueen from the Cars movie in real life. And I just burst out laughing. Like, I was feeling really down, but that experience just made me laugh, like, hysterically, because I just, it was something, like, you would think it's not that funny, but in that moment, I was like, who would do that? That's so cool and funny. So then... These things were happening all at once. I could make myself laugh. I could talk to myself. 
whenever I was feeling unsafe walking back from the hospital to the parking lot after I got out of an appointment with my mom really late and I had no one to walk back to to walk back with to my car so I would just have these little chats with myself like on my way to the parking lot to feel less alone and I was doing these things like they were all happening at the same time and and there were moments of relief and moments of intensity and moments of laughter and I felt like this was all an experience that I was allowing myself for the first time to take in fully and it was beautiful it sounds maybe to you if you're if you're going through something difficult right now you might be feeling like I'm kind of delusional for thinking you know there's beauty in these things but there is and there's so much appreciation for the free time that you can have to take care of yourself when you go through so many days of being at a hospital setting and and you're unable to even take a shower or change clothes sit down and relax fully let down your guard fully you start appreciating everything and you couldn't have learned that appreciation any other way and it goes back to the beginning of this podcast episode what is this experience that is going unexpectedly in your life teaching you that you couldn't have learned any other way in this life The suffering you experience from things not going according to plan will be much less if you stop depending on them going to plan for you, to feel like there's meaning to your existence. One of the values that I encourage you to meditate on today is that no matter what happens in your trajectory, life never ceases to possess meaning. The meaning we search for is not always the meaning that we stumble upon. Because a lot of the time we are searching for an egoic meaning, one that external influences or our own distortions of somebody else's reality have convinced us are meaningful. But I firmly believe that the things that perceived negative things that occur in our life, the things that they're teaching us, they are pointing us in the direction of true meaning when we reach the other side of the pain that they're imposing. Sometimes the events in our life, they have to do this cracking open of our spirit, of our emotions, for us to have a different interpretation of love, of fulfillment, of success, of happiness. And even if these interpretations come with the experiences that at face value show the opposite of of concepts like love or concepts like peace, they are there. For example, sometimes, and this might be controversial, but in my life, I have experienced abuse in childhood, and abuse that happened in my life helped me comprehend the intensity of love for self. By first experiencing abuse, it can sometimes show us that while this form of hurt that's perpetuated by someone else is deeply destabilizing, it's arguably harder to become one's own abuser without knowing it consciously because we are speaking to ourselves we are accepting from others ill treatment 
that is coming from what we first went through with our abuser. We learned it from someone else first. And so when we eventually make this connection that what we're doing to ourselves is actually not something that we are intending to do to harm us, but it's just a learned behavior, we can come to understand the importance of establishing a healthy relationship with ourselves. At the core level, we comprehend what unconditional love is because we were shown conditional love before. Because we had the opposite of, of true, meaningful, compassionate love. We had the opposite for so long and we saw the risks of it. We saw the consequences. We learned to hold on so much more tightly to love for the self. And we defend it against all costs because we know what it is to not have it. It's the same thing for having experienced sorrow and from that understanding joy. You lose a loved one to illness and that can open up your heart to view happiness differently. It changes your entire life because you are no longer operating from the energy of chasing joy through achievement or through material things for chasing no longer has meaning when you see the life of someone that you loved so much come to an ending that is so abrupt and impactful that you view their last moments as sometimes some of the most joyful because they stopped focusing on achieving on material success on having something and they just started focusing on being on experiencing everything, the range of emotions and experiences, they opened themselves up to that. And they found joy. And in that way, through you experiencing that kind of vicariously through them, your own experience of joy changes. And you start appreciating the little things now. You start trying to focus your day-to-day -day life on more so being present than being 10 steps ahead. So when we are cracked open and these changes occur in the deepest fibers of our being, it shows externally, and more importantly, it shows energetically. It's like removing a piece of glass that we've been viewing life through from the start of our lives, conditioned by the things we've been shown and that we live through, and suddenly we can see fully more in tune with everything, and most importantly, more in tune with ourselves. One thing that I will mention, though, I've been speaking a lot about these concepts in a more spiritual and emotional way, but practically, if things are not going the way you expected, this is not always a signi it's not always signifying that the pursuit that you wanted, you have to just let go of it. The thing that you desired is not for you and you just have to move on to something else. Sometimes setbacks can be a chance to regroup and reassess how much you desire something or perhaps in what way you can purify that desire for it to be truly yours and not tainted by anyone else's projections for example if you want a career change but you're going about it with the intent of just getting out of your current job as soon as possible when the deeper intention underneath that urgency is a desire to shift gears in your focus and perhaps go back to school and expand your knowledge and then branch out to something that is more appealing to you 
that challenges you more. Instead of just leaving your job right away and getting a new one as soon as possible and experiencing unique set of challenges that are probably going to look like the ones you had before, when you listen to your heart in that period of rest and you being rejected from the job and you being rejected from the career change, you start to tune in to what your heart really is invested in in the progression that you want to make that's not just a quick gratification but is something more meaningful, more lasting, and more aligned with you. And other times, it simply is not the time for some things to happen yet. And you will eventually realize why they had to happen later. But I will say that oftentimes it's because your internal state wasn't yet in a place where you could have that thing or that progression that you were looking for. It's not because you lack anything. Let me make that clear. But it's because you wouldn't have known how to make the best out of what you were looking for. My experience with delays and with setbacks really happened when I applied to graduate school for the first time back in 2021, and I didn't get accepted. And I thought that the reason that I didn't get accepted was because I was going through a lot with my mom's first diagnosis, and I had to be with her. I was her full-time caregiver. But I soon realized that this wasn't the case, because when I applied again and I got accepted the following year, The first day of my classes, I got the news that my mom's illness returned. So then I thought, what changed? Why did the program acceptance come at this time and it didn't come in 2021? And sometimes it's not a matter of physical, like of a physical contradicting event happening in your life that prevents you from having this desire materialize, like I thought for me was the case. Sometimes... And many times, the delays happen because of where you are at internally. Can you emotionally handle what you are seeking? Can you mentally handle it? Ask yourself these questions. When things are meant for your path and your soul's trajectory, they don't miss you. The timing, though, will never be as we conceive it exactly, because many of us lack the ability to separate our longing for something and our internal state at that moment that we want it to happen for us. And I've been there. This is not a judgment if you think you fall into this. Many emotions come into play when we envision something we desire happening and then it falls through. We make it to be something about us, about everything that's wrong, but We don't stop to think about where it's going intuitively right. Intuitively, a higher intelligence to you and I, a higher power, might have seen this situation that happened in your life, this delay. It might have seen it to be the most logical for your path. Because had this thing materialized for you, had this thing happened, had this person come into your life, you would have sabotaged it. You would have lost your sense of self starting to develop this, this project because you weren't yet ready to separate your taking care of yourself and investing in something. 
And perhaps this thing that came in, if it would have came in when you wanted it to, you would have based your worthiness on it. Emotionally, I was not prepared to handle being a caregiver and a student in grad school back in 2021. At the sight of the pressure that I now see having the second diagnosis and the return of my mom's illness, I know that I would have crumbled back in 2021 and I would have fallen back into old coping mechanisms like drinking and and having casual sexual encounters. In the full year that passed since being rejected from school and then getting accepted, I did so much work on myself and my way of coping that my relationship with myself became so much more stronger that I was able to soothe myself without the need of these hurtful tactics. And now I am supporting my mom through this difficult time and I am seeing how I feel so much more resilience internally. And that is why the time for me to be in graduate school had to be now as opposed to then. And sure, it's not going to look perfect at first when this thing materializes. I went through moments where I would break down and cry and crumble, like I mentioned when the cancer returned. But I would catch myself and I would feel this sense of responsibility that I didn't feel before with the version of me that had committed to her healing in that gap year where I was questioning why did things not go as I wanted them to? Why did this not come in at this specific time where I felt like I was worthy of it, where I felt like I had done everything to get to it? It it made sense that there had to be an interlude between my rejection and my acceptance for me to be able to be prepared internally to carry through with everything that was about to shift in my life. And I wasn't dissuaded from pursuing the same field because it didn't feel right to not try again, to not give it another shot at applying to graduate school. And sometimes you have to ask yourself that question. Yes, there might have been a rejection. Yes, it feels like the world is kind of crumbling in a sense. I know it's not as serious as having a diagnosis of like a terminal illness or just you know, having a death in a family, these these very intense things that occur. I know being rejected from school is not as serious as those things, but a rejection when we place so much of our emotional stability on having this thing materialize, when it doesn't, it really wreaks havoc internally. And when this happened for me, I really had to ask the question, is this something that I want? Like, is this something that I feel a calling for? And if I do, I have to try again. I couldn't give it up. And I knew that there was the capacity in me to succeed and to help in this field. So I prepared myself and during this time of being at a standstill, my fire for getting into graduate school really grew. Because For the first time, I didn't do this back in 2021 when I applied the first time around, I put all of my effort into ensuring that I was immersed in the field before I even got accepted to the program. I really dipped my toes into what being a therapist entailed, how I could start 
during that year that I was kind of in this gap period, I started working with people. I started working on my interpersonal skills, on my ability to have empathy, to have, to hold space, to work on my biases and my limiting beliefs. I started doing all of that. And the next time that I applied, I felt so much more committed, so much more passionate and confident. Not realizing, you know, that that time apart from having this thing come to me when I wanted it to, it really was the catalyst for appreciating when the acceptance really came to me. And I read that email and I thought, yes, it was meant to happen now. And I feel in my bones that statement. Even if another person might look at it externally and say, oh, like, well, it sucks that you had to wait another year, you know, to get accepted, but you finally got accepted, so you should be happy. What I would say to that person is, no, it actually doesn't suck. It was all meant to be at this exact timing, and I feel so much more capable to succeed in what just and the door that was just opened for me because of that delay, because of that initial disappointment. Before I end this episode, I wanted to make one thing clear. I am not encouraging you to pick yourself up quickly from the confusion, the pain, the heartache that is brought about by things in our life not going the way we expect them to. It's a very real thing to have your emotions interwoven tightly around the, your desire. And when it doesn't come, we, we do feel that sense of, of being in limbo, of just floating in what sometimes feels like a nightmare because we're just trying to form a foundation for ourselves, perhaps after experiencing a lot of difficulty and hardship. And we're just trying to have for the first time something that we can say happened for us, something that came true for us. And that was something that I really struggled with when I got this rejection from, from graduate school. And also when I had these delays that were happening in my path toward, you know, finding a significant other, I kept thinking like, I've been through so much. I've, I've tried so hard to become just this more authentic version of myself to address my trauma to work on myself internally and then when I placed all of my hope on this happening it, it just didn't and I felt this deep hurt like am I ever going to be able to have these foundations that I'm working so hard at to to build for myself because perhaps you're coming like me from a family history and a life history of a lot of tumultuous events happening and things being ripped from you, from your reality, people being taken away, experiences never really happening for you that were joyful or that were giving you an opportunity to be carefree and, and to just be happy. Because sometimes we, we are born into very traumatic and tense households that make us wish with all of our hearts that we have this one thing we're desiring this one job that we're going to get and that it's going to help us move out of our homes and establish more peace of mind for ourselves. You know, it's very valid to have these desires that are rooted 
in making ourselves feel more safe in our bodies and our reality. So I'm not saying don't grieve, don't get angry, don't cry. I'm saying feel all of it, but do not think for a second that that's all there is. There's more. There is alchemy ready to take place behind every distressing setback. And it's as simple as shifting your perception of what's happening. What it says about us now and what it says about future us. About who we are going to be in the future. With this experience putting us under the fire to be molded into stronger, wiser, more resilient individuals. But it's okay for this stage of, of feeling to take time. And it's okay if you have to search for ways to allow these feelings to come through if you've suppressed them for a long time and you don't know how to tap into them. I really didn't know how to tap into the feeling of anger. I've always struggled with that. So I, I just, I intuitively, intuitively felt like I needed to find an outlet for it, but didn't know where to start looking. And one day I just played a rap song when I was driving to the hospital and the rap song was like really it was just letting out all this emotion all this anger frustration and when I was listening to it I, I was finally able to tap into the emotion and feel it in my body and as soon as I felt it it went away that's usually the case with emotions. As soon as you give them an opportunity to be felt, to be experienced in the body with awareness, they dissolve. They have finally found an outlet. Sometimes I really do feel like you cannot be cracked open until you allow yourself to feel all of it. Because what you don't realize is that giving your feelings space is going to be this hour-long whirlwind but it's going to be followed by days of feeling connected to something greater than the issues that brought upon these emotions it's going to be followed by peace with everything and my stomach is growling i'm sorry if you can hear it i am recording this very early and i haven't ate breakfast but that actually reaches the end of our podcast episode I wanted to leave all of you with this statement from my heart to yours. I know that my podcast doesn't have a lot of listeners. I am just starting off and and I am doing this with the intent of helping as many people as possible. But really, when I record these episodes, it helps me so much more than perhaps I feel like I'm helping another because I am doing them... And I am smiling through literally writing all my notes down, preparing the, the podcast script. I, I feel this intense joy for just being able to have this life experience and being able to reflect on it. And to feel like I finally have control over my perception instead of feeling like I'm being swept by the wind with every unexpected thing that happens. I, I just feel very grateful that I get to have this platform and even if one person listens to the episode, I, I have already gained so much from recording it and putting it out there. So I want to encourage you to find an outlet. For me, this podcast has been that. But for you, what, 
what can you conceive of at this moment that can be an outlet for everything that you are experiencing internally that perhaps you don't know how to make sense of it and you want to start feeling into the emotions and you want to start changing your perception but you don't know where to start. Perhaps it's searching for a support group in your area. It's talking to a friend, writing in your journal, creating music, creating art, dancing, laughing hysterically at videos that you search up to make yourself feel joy when it becomes very hard to conceive of anything other than grief. Perhaps it's taking a long shower and allowing yourself to really be immersed in the experience of, of nurturing your body instead of just dealing with taking a shower like it's one more routine assignment that you have to complete, that you have to check a box for. Whatever it is, when you tap into mindfulness of what's going on in your life and how that is impacting you inside, the moment you tap into that, even if it's very brief, it changes something and it awakens an inner light that is very hard to ignore as time goes by. And these assured difficulties are bound to happen in our lives because we're living this very dense human experience. So I encourage you to look for those things. And I am sending you all of my love the next podcast episode will be a very exciting one too. Um, I know I mentioned at the beginning that I wanted to record an episode on the importance of being single. And that's actually something that I am going to record. I'm going to do a full episode on that that will be out in two weeks. So I hope to see you here for that. And I'm sending you all of my love. Thank you. Bye. There is no right time to begin working on the parts of ourselves we may have neglected for the majority of our lives. If you're here, it is for a reason. I am so proud of you for asking the tough questions and delving into what comes of these. May you find the deepest healing and transformation on this path. Thank you.